really quick, I want you all to know that I love this man. We make fun of each other all the time from stage. And there were people ask, like, is there like a contentious relationship between the pastor and the youth pastor? Like, nah, it's just family. So we make fun of each other. But I honor Pastor Chris as our pastor. Can you do me a favor and show Pastor Chris honor? Okay, so we're going to try that again. Because the Bible says, give honor to whom honors do. And it, wait a second, I'll give you a second. And it doesn't say if you feel like giving honor. It doesn't say give honor to who you think deserves the honor. It doesn't say give honor to where you would like to give honor. If you don't feel like it, it's okay. Just receive grace today. No, it says give honor to who honors you. Can you do me a favor and give Pastor Chris the honor of our leadership? Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Chris. We love you. We love you, Pastor Chris. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Church, it's an, it's an honor for me to give you the word this morning and also honoring our founding pastor, Pastor Sam. This event, they are probably returning back from the beach. So if you've seen the pictures on Facebook, they look like they're just living it up. I'm like, I'm just going to keep scrolling. I don't need to see that. I'll come back and like it later. So we love you. We miss you. Can't wait to see you guys. Um, but it talks about giving honor to whom honor is due. And I'm jumping right in. So if that's okay, one of my first points this morning is talking about giving honor. We're going to talk about uh, being childlike or childish. Childlike or childish. And we're continuing our series, Jesus Light. Um, and the first scripture I'm going to go to is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So if you go ahead and go there, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you've probably heard of it before. I've read it several times as I've given, done weddings and things like that. It's known as the love chapter, right? Because we've heard it before. Today, we're going to start calling it the grown-up chapter. Is that okay? It's the grown-up chapter. And you'll see why in just a minute. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. I'm reading out the NIV, and it reads like this. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man... I put the ways of childhood behind me. Now, we're going to look at this verse today. We're only going to take one verse, but we're going to break this down. I'm going to break this down into phases, and I'm going to break it down into, and split it up into four phases. The four phases are the decision, reasoning, thinking, and action. So for those of you that love taking notes, four phases. The first phase is decision, reasoning, thinking, and action. And so the first phase is the decision is, is at the end. So you're going to actually read backwards. So it says, when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So the childlike mentality says, I'm going to do it. The childish mentality says, you can't make me do it. You can't make me do it. And so right now, guess what? Both decisions are correct. Both statements are correct. I'm going to do it, but you can't make me do it. And right now, in this moment, you all are making a decision today of whether or not you're going to allow the Lord to speak to you. I can't decide that for you. You made a decision to get up. You made a decision on what you wore today. I made a decision to wear Ninja Turtles because that was my childhood favorite cartoon. And if you wonder who my favorite is, all you have to do is look at the shoes because Raphael is the baddest Ninja Turtle of all time. And so that's my favorite. That's my favorite. 
Now, I had the whole outfit. I had the red, like, bandana. I had the weapons, the side. Like, I had all that, and I was going to wear that. My wife said no. So uh, eventually, I had to change. So I toned it down, put a jacket on. I was like, okay, I will look slightly like an adult. Um, but childlike or childish, you have to make that decision right now. You can make a decision right now. It's like, he wore a Ninja Turtle shirt. I don't like Ninja Turtles. I'm not going to listen to him. So you can decide that. You can decide every day when you come into the church house of whether you're going to receive from the Lord or not. That is your decision. Because all eyes right now are looking up here. That kind of gets nervous when you do that. All eyes are facing the sage all eyes are facing the stage, but the eyes of the lover of your soul is looking on your heart. Everybody's looking up here at me, but the one who loves you, the one who cares about you the most, he is looking on your heart right now. So you can make a decision. So let's make that decision right now that God, whatever you want for me, I want. God, whatever you have for me, I want to take it. Because that has nothing to do with the worship team. That has nothing to do with how the building looks. has nothing to do with the lights. That has everything to do with your heart. So this morning, right now, I ask that you make a decision. I ask the Holy Spirit to come and show you, show you truth. And what's so fantastic about that is that he leads us into truth. You know, when you lead somebody, you're guiding them. That means he doesn't kick you into truth. He doesn't beat you up. He doesn't condemn you. That's not from the Lord. But the Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you into truth. The other scripture that we've heard and quoted says, this is the day the Lord has made. So I will rejoice. And that's a choice. That's a decision. I will rejoice and be glad. Because we all have a lot of stuff to be mad about. This morning, we were on the way to church, and we were driving, and I had the air blowing. We had uh, Christian music playing, and it was, uh, we were listening to like some old gospel music, so it was playing an old song, and I was like, babe, you got to hear this song. Uh, we saw you sing the song in my dad's church. All of a sudden, that air conditioner was blowing, started burning hot air, just super hot. I mean, it was cranked, so it was just like heater blowing on you. And I just thought for a second, you know what? This is a first world problem, Jesus. But in Texas, that's life or death. So we got to turn around and get another car, babe. We cannot go. Sweat started coming down my face. I was like, I cannot be in church sweating like that. So we turned around, got another car, came back. And I was like, whew. I said, but this is a choice. It was a decision to come to church. This is a decision today. But, but what's happened is, is that people have twisted the Bible and made it think that God is wanting to control us. You hear it, you read about it, that people are all like, well, he's such an angry God. He's like a kid, you know, with a magnifying glass. He's just picking on us, and he, he doesn't care about us. And there is nothing in the word that I've seen about God trying to make people do anything. Even from the Old Testament to the New Testament, he kept giving them choices. He would say, he would say you know, I'm just going gonna, gonna to set you free. They were crying. The children of Israel were like, we want to go back to Pharaoh. We want to go back to Pharaoh. It's like, okay, you know what? I set you free, but, you know, here's a cloud by day. Here's, here's light to guide you at night. Here's food. We're tired of this. Okay, I'll give you quail. I'll try something different. Like, he changed the menu for them. But there's nothing in the Bible that says God wants to control you, but people have twisted that. God gives you the opportunity to make a decision. Make a decision. The saying goes that growing old is required, but growing up is optional. You can choose whether or not you're going to be childish or childlike. 
So the freedom that was paid for for you on the cross so that you can make that decision. Jesus paid it all for us. Amen? Are you thankful for that? Are you thankful that Jesus gave us that choice? Yeah, that deserves praise this morning just because we have that freedom. So breaking it down, so, so that's the first phase decision. Second phase is the reasoning phase. Reasoning phase, processing or, or understanding. So that's our, that's our reason. And so the childlike mentality uses the love filter while the childish mentality uses the me filter. So we were all born with this me filter. What's in it for me? You don't have to teach a child that. You realize that? Like children are just born with that it's mine, gimme, no, they scream if they don't get their way. I was going to send the, the tech team a video because one of my favorite clips of um, a comedian, you've heard of him, Jeff Foxworthy, and he does this scene, uh, this bit about children in the cereal aisle, and when they don't get their way, he breaks down. If you've seen it, he's like running all over the floor, and, and, and the parent just goes, where is your mother, and goes off and like doesn't claim their own child. But this but the child says it's all about me. We're born with that me filter. Now, if we don't grow up, what will happen is we will continue to filter everything through that me mentality. And if it doesn't work for me, I'm not going to do it. If it doesn't feel good, I'm not going to do it. If it doesn't something I don't really like to do, I, I won't do that. And that's and understand there's a balance, okay? We're not saying, like, if you are suffering for no reason that you continue to suffer. Like, that is, like, there's a balance between, like, there's nothing in the Word that talks about being, continue to be abused or continuing to stay in places where, where people are, are not treating you well or not um, having friends that love you, like, having bad friends. There's nothing about that. That's not what that means. But the me filter says everything has to be about me first, and we are called to use the love filter. Now, here's what that looks like. In Matthew chapter 7, it'll be on the screen. Verse 12 says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them to do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. We don't stop right there. The world calls that what? The golden rule. Even the world uses scripture to teach little ones, about how you should care yourself, that love others, treat people how you want to be treated. Church, that is Christianity 101. If we had to label this, like if, if, if your understanding and your growth as a believer was put into K through 12, I wouldn't even say that's kindergarten. Loving people is pre-K. That's like your ABCs. One, two, three. A, B, C. Thank you. Okay, stop. Everybody started singing. Yeah, you know the Jacksons. Thank you. Um, but, but before, you know, you start teaching your kids sounds, how to spell their name, how to say things, words, A, B, Cs, one, two, threes, before they get to kindergarten. Before we even start to understand anything, we have got to understand love. And it's, and it's really sad whenever you start, listen, I love, love Pastor Chris. Um, when he talks about things that are going on in our world, he has no problem addressing those. One thing's like race relations. 
Just how I got quiet. Like that's like a that's like a faux pas. Like oh no, let's not talk about that in churches. But Pastor Chris hits it head on because he talks about how we're supposed to be loving, how the church shouldn't be like Sunday shouldn't be the most segregated day of the week, but it is. That we are called to love people. Guess what, guys? That is pre-K. That's something that we should already have programmed in our minds that it doesn't matter what they look like, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight, that we are going to love people. And if we can't get past that part, if we can't get past that part, then forget about the gifts of the Spirit, forget about the anointing of God, the calling, the purpose of your life. If it's not rooted in love, it's the Word of God. And the the Bible says God is love. If it's not rooted there, then you got to start, you haven't got to kindergarten yet. And, and it's not just, and this is not just a, this is not, I'm not pointing out a problem saying this is something wrong with New Covenant Church. This is big C. You listen to pastors around the globe and they are talking about loving people. And it's sad because that is who God is. And we still have to teach his children to use the love filter. And if that's not a part of your filter, we've got to get that changed. We've got to get that fixed. So 13, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few will find it. Only a few will find it. Because a lot of people are going to find Jesus. A lot of people are going to find salvation from hell, salvation from their sins. But to then take that next step and start living out the lifestyle is hard. Everyone does not do that. So we're talking about being transformed from a child And being childish and being childlike, a child of God in the kingdom of God, is starting to walk that out of no longer thinking about me first, me only, but thinking about others. Because that's what Jesus did. He didn't just go to the cross for himself. You realize that the cross had nothing to do with Jesus' life. Like it had nothing to do with the benefit for Jesus. He didn't say, I'm going to hang on this cross for me. It showed, and when he was praying in that moment, he said that if this cup can pass for me, let it pass. But Father, not my will, but your will be done. He went to the cross for each of us every, he went to the cross for each and every one of us sitting here today. Think about that. I know we don't talk about it a lot, but I'm, I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus. We need to talk about how, how grateful we should be for that blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You think about no matter what you did today, no matter what you did last week, no matter what you did even before you walked into this building, because the blood of Jesus cleanses you, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And maybe no one said it to you before, but here's another way. See, see the, the young people, they, filters mean something else to them with, with social media. See, a filter changes how the picture looks. 
So at one point, they can say, oh, my goodness, I got this blemish on my face. I got the, the booger. Where did that come from? I got these stuff that looks what? Well. Let me put a filter on it. Let me do some editing. And now it looks perfect, and it looks like everything is okay. Well, here's what happened because of Jesus. That filter changed, and so it now became a blood filter. So instead of him looking at us and looking at all our blemishes and looking at everything that's wrong with us, that blood of Jesus came on, that blood filter came, and he said, you are righteous now. So that means that everything that you have when you come to the Father, he doesn't just see you as a person that cussed at their kid or that has issues with, uh, of yelling at their spouse or, uh, or looks at stuff they shouldn't be doing or spends their money on things they should be doing. He sees you through that blood filter. And he says, my child, come here. He doesn't say, hold on, Ooh, oh, you, you kind of stink. Go get clean first, then come to me. No, he says, oh, there's the blood. That filter change from Old Testament to New Testament, God has the blood filter because of Jesus. So we walk in that. So that's why our filter has to change from that me filter to the love filter, because that's what Jesus did for us. So we have that authority now. We get to walk in that because of what someone else did. And we did nothing to deserve that. We did nothing to earn that. But Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. And so he went so that we could come boldly to the throne. So God has this new filter. And because of that, things have changed. So, so, so God has this new filter, which he sees you. You have a different filter of how we interact with people. You can't just do things one way because, hey, this is how my family did it. This is how I grew up seeing it. Things have to change because that love filter has changed. Amen? All right. I'm moving right along. I'm already at point three. There's only four points, so we're going to the third phase, um, the thinking phase. It's the thinking phase. So the scripture said, again, we're reading. We're, now we're breaking it down backwards. I became a man to put away the ways of a child. I reasoned like a child, and now I thought like a child. So the childish thinking has excuses, but childlike has obedience. The childish thinking has excuses, but the childlike has obedience. For those of you that don't know, I'm the youngest of seven. See, my mom just kind of flinched right there because she's like, oh, here comes the story. Um, my parents had, had a rule. It was one time, right now, obedience. One time, right now, obedience. There was no negotiating. There's no haggling. There's no contract disputes. There's no, hey, you guys think about it, come back with an offer. We'll come back with an offer. It was one time, right now, Obedience. What was allowance? Allowance was I was allowed to eat and I was allowed to sleep in the house rent-free. That was the allowance. But that was the Sims household. So I'm not saying if there's something different in your household that is wrong, but this is how we grew up. And I remember I was at a friend's house and we were playing this wonderful game called Halo. And again, nerds. So 
we're playing video games. We're sitting there, and his mom comes in. His mom says, hey, I need you to go do this, do this, do this real quick. You know, it'll just take a few minutes. He said, we'll get to it later, and he starts playing. Now, I'm sitting there playing video games, and I looked at him just like, are we about to die? Like, <laughs> did he just say that to his mom? So she walked out of the room. I paused the game. I said, I think we should go do this because your mom just uh, He said, no, it's fine. He unpaused it, kept playing. I paused it again. I was like, I don't think you know what that means. Like, right now, my mom is probably getting sensories because that superpower that she had, that an adult just asked me to do something. If I don't do it, she's just going to find me and just whoop me because I didn't do something. So we need to do this. And he was like, no, it'll be fine. Unpause it, kept playing. I was like, okay, so we kept playing. His dad comes in. Dad says, didn't your mother just ask you to do something? And then I need you to do this, this, this. He said, I'll get to it in a moment and kept playing. I just looked and said, is that okay for people to do? <laughs> you can yell at your parents? I would never. So then his, his, his dad comes back in, his mom comes in, and they just enter into this whole like feud I paused the game, and I just went and did, took care of whatever they asked us to do, and came back. And he was like, they were like, Roger, you didn't have to do that. I was like, no, you don't understand. I had to do it <laughs> because I don't want to die. But he can do that. That's okay. Whatever y'all do in this household is fine, but I'm not coming home to a whooping just because we didn't do what an adult asked us to do. So we had one time right now obedience, and I heard this definition of procrastination, and it's so powerful, and I'm going to read it twice, just how great it was, and I wrote it down, and it was so powerful that I can't even remember it, but I wrote it down <laughs> of procrastination is the arrogant assumption that God is going to give me another opportunity to do something tomorrow he gave me the ability to do today. I'm going to read it again. It is the arrogant assumption that God is going to give me another opportunity to do something tomorrow that he gave me the ability to do today. So when the Father tells you to do something, we need to do it. Like I said, give honor to whom honors due. There are several scriptures in the Bible that has turned into a discussion now in the world that we get to talk about because, okay, there's grace Okay, so we've turned God into a bunch of conditional um, relationship where, okay, God, if I do this, that means you have to do this. When he's already laid out, guess what? Draw near to me, I will draw near to you. That's it, period. There's no, there's no well, if it's on a Thursday after five o'clock and I've heard my favorite worship song, then I would know. He said, draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. If you come and confess to Jesus, Lord, you will be saved. Your sins will be forgiven. You've been made righteous. There are things that, that we've turned into some discussions and negotiations with God when we just have to follow it. Love others. As I have loved you, forgive others so you can be forgiven. There are these statements that we have to make sure 
that the world gets into a discussion and debate about everything, that we say, that's cool, you guys can talk about it, but I'm still going to go do what I know the Lord told me to do, just like I did in that household. I was like, I know that you guys are fighting, but I know I'm supposed to do what an adult told me to do. I'm supposed to do what the Father told me to do. If you guys want to discuss or debate about whether or not God met that for that, that time, this time, or this time, because of the, the culture, because of society, whatever they're saying, that's okay, but I know he's called me to love people. I know he's called me to, to do things like, are you ready? Wait for it. Tithe. I know he's called me to do that. I know I have to do that. So when we get our checks, it's already decided how much we're giving. It's already done. There's no negotiation in the Sims household about tithing. It doesn't matter how much we may have spent or overspent our budget or how much we have, you know, went and did this, did that. Guess what? This belongs to the Lord. And we're giving it to him because there's not a negotiation in that. Why? Because it wasn't a negotiation on the cross. It wasn't this back and forth. He said, if it can pass from me, but instantly said, not my will, but your will be done. And he hung on the cross and it says at any point, he could have called a legion of angels to come down and save him, take him down. But he said, no, I have got to do this. So where is our mentality, church, of the things that we are called to do for the Lord? Where is our decision? Where is our reasoning? Where is our thinking? Where is our believing? Because we can't just procrastinate anymore. We can't just, we can't look at the world and say, oh, guess what? We'll get to it. No, there are people that need what you have, the Jesus that you see, the Jesus that you understand and how you interpret the love of God. There are people that need to see it and they're not going to get it from anybody else. They're not going to get it from me. They're not going to walk into New Covenant Church. They're not going to come step foot in here. They're going to have to get it from you. So what are they getting? What are they seeing? We can't procrastinate any longer, church. We can't wait for somebody else to go do it, church. We can't wait for somebody. Okay, well, I'll just wait. You know what? Uh, if, if he says children's ministry, then I'll go serve. No, if you have that calling and you have that urge, go do it. What was that, Pastor? What did you say? Children's ministry. Children's ministry. So he said, there's your sign. There it is. Here's your sign. Um, but we can't, we can't wait any longer. We can't procrastinate. We can't just es- expect that God's going to give me a second chance. This may be the only chance. This may be it. What if that was it? What if that, that time you were in, in Walmart, God told you to go pray for that person, that was it? That was the shot they had to come to know Jesus. It's not trying to make you feel bad, but there needs to be a seriousness we have about the things of God and about his word. That's why there will be few that will find that path because a lot of people are gonna find Jesus and then they're gonna see that path and like, nah, I'm good, I'm gonna stay right here. Where are we at in our walk? Where are we at in our thinking and believing? Because with that obedience, with that, with that focus on the Lord, I have a lot of questions for God, but I don't question God. As his child, I don't question God. There's a difference. There's a difference. I have tons of questions for God. 
you stay around church people long enough, you'll have questions for God. You go to a lot of different churches, you'll have questions for God. That was interesting, Lord. Was that okay? Did you, are you there in that? Okay. Um, like, you can have questions for God, but I don't question God. I had a lot of questions for my parents, but I ain't going to question their authority as my parents. That's how I'm alive today. <laughs> and the rest of my siblings, I learned. We learned. But God is not afraid of your questions. He's not. But I love that we sing some of the songs that we sing about tasted your goodness. Again, a decision. In that verse, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's giving you a choice. But that choice, that decision comes with knowing that he is faithful and he is good. He is good, church. Our God is a good God. So our thinking now is, is from a child of God that we obey. And again, this is a loving relationship. So if you are hearing that it is like bondage, you're hearing like it is like someone ordering you to do, again, Jesus didn't go for the cross. Go to the cross for you to then be in bondage and then be in slavery. That is not what that is. But God sees that there's so much good things that he has for you in your obedience. My fourth point is the action. You can look at it as communication, but it says, I talked like a child. So that part of the verse. So your action or your communication. So here's the childlike mentality is worship. What that looks like as a child of God is worship or invitation. The childish mentality is pretending or faking. You know, the scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Another translation says, what's in you going to come out. I think that's like the Sims truth translation. Uh, <laughs> but what's in you is going to come out. And Jesus said, I only do and say what I see the Father doing and what I see the Father saying. Jesus said that. So what's coming out of our lives, church? See, this becomes consistency will turn this into a lifestyle for you. And this becomes natural to you. It becomes natural to you. So if you're constantly putting in conspiracies, news stories, conspiracies, news stories, political debates, what do you think is going to come out of you? Look, I'm, I'm a big sports fan. I listen to sports as I work throughout the day. So guess what? Eventually, if you hang around me long enough, a sports topic is going to come out. It just happens because I've put so much sports in you. I'm going to talk about uh, the realignment of college football and how this is crazy and all this other stuff. And you're like, what? I'm going to talk about the NBA finals. I'm going to talk about soccer because I'm a big soccer fan. Like some sport is going to come out because I put sports in. just happens. But what are we putting in that comes out of us. What are we putting in? Now, I debate. I meant to ask you, Pastor Chris, if I can tell this story, but I'm going to go ahead and tell it anyway. Um, and if you have any questions online, if this um, offends you, you can e send an email to pastor, and then my name, C-H-R-I-S, <laughs> at nccTyler.org. It's, it's French. It looks like Chris, but it's Roger. Um, pastor Chris at nccTyler.org. Um, 
But I remember playing basketball, and we were playing this team, and, oh man, I should have <laughs> checked with you. But we were, my basketball team was really, really good, and we were basically destroying this team. But one of my buddies, he was like, he said, Socks, we got to switch. So what do you mean? He said, I, I, can't, I can't guard this guy anymore. Because as you're exercising, as you're running around the court, as you're sweating, guess what happens? Your pores open up. And whatever you've been putting in you starts to come out. And my teammate was like, he said, I'm, he said, I'm, 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 I'm seeing sounds. I'm hearing colors. Like, my eyes is just like, it's, you know, whatever he put in is really, really strong right now. And we got to switch. It's like, what do you mean? So we switch, and I got the biggest whiff of the smell, and it sounds like, um, let's see, how can I say this? Um, what he put in his body, it sounds like uh, the word speed, but starts with a W. And so it was coming out of his pores so strongly, and my, and my teammates said this in, that's weed, guys, in case you didn't figure it out. Um, and so in a timeout, he says, Coach, I can't guard him anymore. And, I, I, and so I guarded him to the end of the game, and so we got, we, we won the game, we went down to the locker room, and the coach gave his speech, like, good job, man, blah, 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 and get ready for next week. And so we're about to break out. He was like, wait one second, he said. It was number 44, wasn't it? And we said, yep. He said, I smelled it in the handshake line. My goodness, God almighty, what is he putting in? I was like, coach, we know. And so that was being put inside of him so much that it was just coming out. Guess what? If you're putting trash in your life so much, you won't even know it. And it's just coming out on people. It's just coming out. And you think, I'm being holy. And you didn't realize that you just completely talked about an entire people group, an entire grace of people, and you said it ugly because guess what? That's what you are used to doing. And then you go and say, hey, want to come to church with me? And they're like, you go to church? (laughs) What we put in us is going to come out. Now, guys, I don't mean, don't be Christian weird. What I mean by that is like, hey, guys, you know, it's so hot outside. Kind of reminds me, I wonder if this is what uh, Noah felt like. Uh, could use a flood right now. <laughs> no. Don't, don't do that. Don't, do, don't, be, don't be that. Don't be that weird. Like, I'm not saying you got to talk about, like, you know, Bible stories and stuff like that. But what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself doing things out of love, and you won't even know why. You're going to hear someone say a need in your workplace, and they're like, I can't believe this happened. I just, uh, all I need is, is, if I just need $200, and then I, and you're like, oh, I got that. Here you go. Because love has been put in you that that's all that's going to come out. You'll find yourself doing stuff to bless people. You'll find yourself wanting to be there for people, wanting to pray for people, because you have put that inside of you. So childish is pretending and faking. Childlike is an worship, and that means imitation, not just when we're singing songs, it's the lifestyle. So then, when you've done that process, here's what it looks like. Here's what it looks like. We're going to read the rest of that chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. So if you're still in 1 Corinthians 13, go up just a little bit to chapter 4. Verse 4, thank you. Chapter 13, verse 4. It takes a village. Thank you. (laughs) Because now that your decision has been made, your reasoning has changed, 
your thoughts, your actions. This is what it looks like from a child of God. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's what children of God look like, walk like, act like. That's how we behave. But you're not going to do all those things as a child, as a childish, with a childish mentality. We have to be childlike from the kingdom of God. Only children of the most high God will understand this and be able to do it, that someone is you. Some of you are here today because you've looked at everything the enemy has thrown at you and your testimony still stands that God is faithful. God is just and he's still good. And it carries you through some dark times. But we trust him and we look to him. So at this time, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray for you to close up. And I wanna pray over a couple things with everyone's eyes closed. And the first thing I wanna ask about is the ultimate decision. In that decision phase, there's a lot of decisions we make every day, but maybe you've never made that decision to ask Jesus to come into your life, to be your savior, to be your Lord. And I want to give you that opportunity. So don't wait for another day. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for later. Right now, here's your moment. Here's your, here's your sign. Here's your opportunity. If that's you and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, all I'm going to ask is that you raise your hand right where you're sitting. No pressure, no condemnation. But if you felt the tug, Felt your heart being moved, then raise your hand. The second thing I'm going to ask about is our mindset from being childish to childlike. And I wrote this down. God specifically wanted me to pray over some hurts. Because sometimes when we're hurt, especially as we're young in our faith, that holds us in that childish mentality that says, you know what, the last time I did this, I got hurt. So if I just, I just got to protect me. I just got to look out for me. And God wants to set you free from that. And the hurt specifically, he said, was church hurt. That there's, that there's people today that they've had a church hurt that, was going, that has hindered them from stepping into everything that God created them to be. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. Raise your hand. The last one is a family hurt. There's a wound from a family member that you've been holding on to. The Lord wants you to release that today. If that's you, raise your hand. Now, here's what's going to happen. As I start to pray, I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to ask you, remember, no procrastination. We're not going to believe, we're not going to rest on this idea that I got another opportunity. As I start praying, we're going to agree with you that that hurt is not going to define you. That hurt is not going to be the thing that you look to, but you look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. 
I thank you so much, Lord, that the blood of Jesus was there to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and his body was bruised and beaten so that we can walk in complete healing and wholeness. And right now, Lord, I thank you for those people being bold today. I thank you that today is a new day for them, that there is no longer the thing they look to, is no longer the thing that becomes their identity, but Lord, you place a new identity in their heart and in their mind. Lord, they move from just holding on as, as a childish, but they move to a child of God. Lord, I thank you for healing them completely from the inside out. Lord, from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, Lord, that they are completely healed and they walk in a new freedom today. They walk in a newness today. And a newness today. God has something great for you. Lord, I thank you that you're a God who takes away, Lord, um, not only our sins, Lord, but says that you will give us beauty for ashes, Lord. that you will give us praise for a spirit of heaviness. Lord, we thank you, God. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for newness. Thank you, Lord, for grace that we are able to walk in a new life, a new light with you. And all we have to do is come to you. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.